Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 480. Now, when you hear the creaking, it's just my bones. We've got some jokes for you. We've got lots of classroom ideas for you to use. And, um, and, you know, some resources for your classroom as well. So without further ado, here is the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Mr. Troy Patterson. This Welcome back Doppler to the show. <laughs> I am Troy Patterson, and with me is the world's greatest co-show host <laughs> with a new chair, Mr. Sean McGurr. Hey, listen to this. Listen to this. It doesn't listen sound like... Now when you hear creaking, it's just my bones. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I don't know how to. Um, um, what is muffins spelled backwards? <laughs> um, what is muffins spelled? I don't know. What is muffins spelled backwards? I, I just don't have the skills right now. It's it's what you what you, what you do when the muffins come out of the oven. Stupid snip, snip them. Spell backwards. Okay. All right. Um, you heard, uh, you know, the, it's all the rage right now. Everybody's going wireless, right? Oh, yes. Big thing. Probably, big thing. Probably a good idea, unless you're a farmer. That's, that's probably very true. And there's a visual joke for you uh, over at middleschoolmatters.com for you I to like check it. out there as, as well. Um, I, I attempted to work out this morning. I attempted you to did. exercise. I, I blew the joke already. <laughs> <laughs> I fi- I'll fix it in post, but I won't. I attempted to exercise this morning. Okay. Didn't work out. Oh. I ate, so I ate some Skinny Pop. That didn't work either. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if you could eat like Skinny Popcorn and it would make you skinny? It would actually, yeah, work as advertised, you know. Mm-hmm. How do you fix a broken pumpkin? A broken pumpkin. Well, you know, it's hmm. Halloween coming up, and this is timely That's advice. That's, so. I was going to say, this is so appropriate, too. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, there's the, there's the band Smashing Pumpkins. Is this a Smashing Pumpkins problem? No, no, no. You fix a oh. broken pumpkin with a pumpkin patch. Ah, I see, I see. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you, uh, you know, there once was a king who was only 12 inches tall. Really? He was a horrible king, but a great ruler. Started as a footman. I like it. Uh, I tripped the other day uh, on a snare drum and hit my head. You did. Birds are hit my window. I may have a percussion. Oh, dear. Don't get snared. Do you hear about the kids who ran in the room and said, I must ask you a question, but I'll shave it for later. Oh, there you go. I like that one. Okay, and this is one that I'm going to leave you hanging with. Okay. You ready? Yes. You have to be of a certain age, I think, to best understand this one. How does Mr. Miyagi eat his baby bell? How does Mr. Miyagi eat his baby bell? Now, you have um, to know what a baby bell is, right? Right. They're delicious. And you have to know who Mr. Miyagi is. Wax on, wax off. Right? You've got yep. it. 
You got it there. Yep. Baby Bell. Yep. How does he eat his Baby Bell? Oh, you the got only, it already. The only image. You've got it already. What is oh, a Baby off, Bell? Wax off, I got it. I got you now. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm thinking, because the only image coming to head was I'm Baby Bell's floating in the air and he's snatching them out of the air with his. But you're right, it's wax on, wax off. Right, 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 right. So, okay, I love that one. And and that one, you know, takes a little bit of citizen scientry to really Ooh. understand as well. Yeah. You know, and you know who's going to tell us about citizen science and not only mm. citizen science, but students well, I can think of as citizen science. Only, oh, I, I, I can think of one person who'd be perfect for that job. Really? Who would that be? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking it would be the, the wonderful and the talented Mr. David Budlowski. That's right. So here, without further ado, is that wonderful and talented... Mr. Dave Bidlowski in the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of K12Science.net, and this is your Middle School Science Minute. I was recently reading the July-August 2020 issue of Science and Children, a publication of the National Science Teaching Association. And I was reading the section on methods and strategies, ideas and techniques to help your science teaching. And there was an article entitled, Students as Citizen Scientists, written by Meredith Hayes, P. Sean Smith, and W. Robert Midden. And they defined what citizen science is, and then talked about citizen science in schools. They said that citizen science involves individuals who are not professional scientists in authentic scientific endeavors, typically in collaboration with or supervised by professional scientists or scientific institutions. Often, citizen science projects engage large numbers of individuals in collecting data expanding the capacity of professional scientists and making research possible that would otherwise be impractical. One of the largest citizen science initiatives is GLOBE, Global Learning and Observations to Benefit the Environment. GLOBE is an international program sponsored by NASA as the lead organization with support from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the National Science Foundation, and the Department of State. And this involves grades 3 through 12 teachers and their students collecting a wide array of environmental data using strict protocols that are the same everywhere around the globe. And you can learn more about GLOBE by visiting globe.gov. Increasingly, citizen science is making its way into schools and into science classrooms in particular. A recent issue of NSTA Reports highlighted teachers' experiences incorporating citizen science into their classrooms, ranging from kindergartners identifying monarch eggs and larvae to secondary students mentoring younger students as they examine local watersheds. Students can contribute to many of these projects, but when they do not understand why they're collecting data, why they are collecting data in a particular way, or what the data could mean when analyzed appropriately, citizen science does not measure up to recommendations in the next generation science standards. In fact, what little research exists on school-based citizen science suggests it is not reaching its potential. 
students struggle to determine what the data mean or why they're collecting it. Classroom teachers are uniquely positioned to shape how students experience citizen science. In well-implemented school-based citizen science, students learn core ideas by engaging in science practices, including planning and carrying out investigations, analyzing and interpreting data, and constructing explanations and models. Recognizing the educative potential of citizen science and the unique position of classroom teachers, a recent six-year-long program located in the upper Midwest of the United States studied the effects of integrating citizen science into grades three through eight on student motivation, engagement, and learning in two collaborating school districts. Each grade level's project was intended to engage students in research designed to address questions of both scientific significance and local relevance. For example, the third grade citizen science pollinator project involved monitoring bees and butterflies to collect and analyze population data. And fifth graders assessed local water quality. The program matched local professional scientists with grade levels and help prepare these individuals to work with elementary and middle grade teachers and students. And this has been your Middle School Science Minute. Okay, um, I, I, I just, I, I love that practical stuff. I love when, and, and he does such a great job at making those connections between things beyond school and in school. So, mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of teachers are doing right now as well, is making some of those connections between beyond school and in school. Um, and teachers are doing a fantastic job. Um, and we had a, there's, a, there's a couple of things um, that we talked about in the, the pre-show that I thought would be mm-hmm. good, good to talk about as well. So um, you've had a stressful week this week um as as everyone has because let's be honest it's uh, stressful times so he's trying to do some some phenomenal things and they're doing that so um, yeah i think that's the new norm it's, it's just stressful times yeah and i think so so here's what i was gonna ask you because uh you being administrator uh have a broader perspective on than things than you know because the teachers see see what they are, are, are and they're in their zone they're in their working you know they don't mm-hmm. stay they're in the room you know and in this case it's a very metaphorical room right and then the, but the principal has to see the big picture and see like the broader scope of things so i want to ask this question and and and, and base it on your your vast administrative experience that's what i want to okay. do okay all I'll right i'll do what i can so so um if you had a choice, no, it's not really a choice, I guess. So um, how important is it to establish patterns and rhythms in a schedule? Like, in other words, because um, we all have it, PD days, breakup schedules, you know, district-required things, breakup schedules. But um, one of the things that the teachers look at is, is establishing a rhythm and a pattern in the classroom. And kids crave it, right? Because uh, I've already got my kids trained in a in the uh, Google Meet classroom again, air quotes, mm-hmm. um, for certain things I didn't know that I was doing, for example, like, um, <laughs> apparently, 
apparently I have an evil laugh that I use quite often. And so they've decided that uh, after a certain phrase, and I don't know, I, I'm not sure what I do to trigger this, but they'll, they'll right afterwards, though, they'll, they'll type in, they don't say it out loud, but they'll type in, right? <laughs> it's a thing I do. Yeah. Uh, with them. And they decide they picked up and they're going to do it too. And, right. and so there's that, you know, you're building a classroom culture, right? And you're building a rhythm and, and, and so they know every Friday there's going to be a quiz and, you know, you know, certain days of the week, there are certain things that are going to happen. And when you do this, the next thing will be this. And the next thing will be this. And you just establish a routine of how your lessons in your classroom goes. So how important is it to establish that rhythm and build that rhythm in the schedule? Oh, I, Obviously, I'm telegraphing my, my, my point of view on it. but Yeah, and but but I agree with you because I think that 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 is absolutely crucial because it gives context, right? It gives mm-hmm. a place of comfort for kids to come from um, because they they aren't they don't spend a lot of the, the reptile part of their brain doesn't have to figure out what are they supposed to be doing and what's safe to do. They, they, they've already got that worked out and they can work on learning the skills and the concepts and the knowledge that they need. Um, and, and I also think that that's really important for the teacher as well, because I think there needs to be a, there's agreement on how we're going to interact and what, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And you know, I think one of the stressors from going to all online learning is that that all has to be renegotiated, right? Because as a teacher, mm-hmm. you've you've probably solved most of those things. You know, think about your Correct. first year as yeah. a teacher. Your first year as a teacher, you had a whole bunch of you. You thought about it. You were trained on it. You you know you may have gone through um, first days of school by Harry Wong. Um, and then all of that changes with online learning. Online learning is different. And I think that a big part of that is now people are trying to figure out what the culture is going to be. And, and think about webcams. Oh, there was a big discussion and, about whether webcams should have to be on or off for kids. There was a lot of discussion about how do you get kids to participate. People are, are figuring that out. And once they do figure that out, then that makes it that much easier. Um, and if we were to continue this, we would get better at this. Teachers mm-hmm. would ha- teachers' stress level would come down. <clears throat> um, and I'm not saying that it would be as good as in-person learning, um, right. because yeah, I think I think, I, I think that, that you know that face-to-face learning is, is crucial. But we would get better at it. Teachers' stress level would come down. The amount of time that it takes them to do things would come down because they build those structures, because they build those uh, processes. They build that culture for themselves and what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I think that's one of the things that, because it's new and because we're building it, takes a lot of extra time. I saw I saw something when we were doing the pre-show too, where there was a principal who said, um, essentially, now is not the time to evaluate teachers on pedagogy and um, strategies. It's the time to support. 
And I think what, <clears throat> and I think what he was getting to <clears throat> was was that it is that we are creating these things, and teachers are creating these things, and they're different. <clears throat> and that whole push for SEL is part of that. It's acknowledging that we've got to take part of the emotional part first. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I think I think also establishing those routines and establishing that classroom culture reduces teacher stress as well. Mm -hmm. And allows them to be more flexible in other things that you need or the other things that you happen, that you happen, other things that happen. So I, I hit something uh, about Thursday that I'm going to call zombie brain. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's the point of where I'm at in, in teaching right now. Usually this happens about like April, but I've hit zombie brain just a little early this year. So you're on an accelerated program is what I'm hearing. Yes. I am in the AP class of zombie brain, right? So we talked earlier in the show about, uh, in the pre-show about uh, kids being resilient. And so I had two little interesting conversations that I wanted to share with you because I think it does support what you said about kids are far more resilient than we give them credit for. Right. Plus I think also that, um, you know, people will say, well, kids want to be out of school. And I, I, I think this supports the other side of that where it's like, no, I think the kids do want to be with us. Right. So there's two things that interesting happen. Um, both started with the same sentence them. Hey, Mr. McGurr, I'm in class from. And so one of my students said, yeah, I'm on the way to Mount Rushmore right now. <laughs> uh, you know, my sister who you had earlier, uh, well, she's right here. And, uh, oh, okay. And then the next statement was, are we going to have class or am I just going to work in the car on the way to? No, we're going to have class, so you stay with us, okay? Oh, yeah, I can do this in the car. Oh, yeah, okay, no problem. Uh, and so she did. She stayed in class, and we did class, and, you know, she was fine. Um, and the, <laughs> the other one I got was, hey, Mr. McGurr, I'm in class from the back seat of our new family car. <laughs> so we had gone onto a device to go to the dealership to pick up the car, to uh, ride in the car. And I think they went and got ice cream to celebrate the new car. And then they also then came home. So all of this happened while class was going on. So I think this is also a new dynamic as teachers that uh, we, they didn't teach us this part in teacher school, you know? Yeah. And the, the part of that is they do want to be part of class. They do want to be mm -hmm. part of, what's going on. Um, and I agree. And I think, I know kids want to be in school. Teachers want to be in school. We all want to be in school. Um, you know, and, and it just looks different at this point. And hopefully we can safely get back to school soon. So, um, I, I did, you know, you made reference to, we talked about kids resiliency as well. And, mm -hmm. <clears throat> One of the things that I learned long, long, long ago is kids can can do so much if we let them. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes we end up being the roadblock for what they can do, and um, um, you know they can they can surprise us and delight us and in, and and what they can learn to do. And uh, and I took the example of you. Um, Earlier this year, you had some kids who were like, 
the stuff isn't there, Mr. McGurr. And you were like, mm-hmm. scroll. <laughs> and I'm sure that you didn't, I mean, I'm sure it was much more of a conversation than that. But essentially it was scroll. <laughs> and the kid's like, oh, yeah, 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 I got it now. And it's like, um, you know, you, you, you don't want to stop kids at that point. Like, oh, they don't even they don't even know to scroll on a web page. It's like, no, they forgot or they just didn't realize or whatever. And mm-hmm. now they've apparently moved on to some advanced features with you. They have. They, yeah, they figured <laughs> out how to mute or how to, how to have a conversation, but not have the teacher listen to the conversation while they're in the same meeting with with me. That's my next project is to figure out how they're doing that. Uh, cause that's, that's a, a pretty one. neat trick that I want to learn actually. Yeah. <laughs> click, click. Hey, uh, the rest of the kids can't hear it, but you and I are going to have a conversation right now about a such and such. And, you know, or what I actually, what I'd like to do is be able to click it and say, look, you and I are going to have a conversation right now about why you're not turning in your work and getting it done. And you have lots of time to do it. You know, that sort of thing. Well, um, here's, here's the thing. I, I don't know how to do this either. And in fact, um, one of the things that, and, and this would be awesome, especially like in a co-taught classroom where oh, a teacher yeah. could moderate and talk to a couple of the kids. So if a couple of kids don't seem to get it, yeah, then they could say, have a, have that kind of that sidebar conversation, you know, whereas like normal in a, in a face to, let me give you that, the real world analogy here is. The, the, you know, the co-teacher may, or the parapro, or the other adult in the room, the parent advocate, or whoever, um, a practicum student would go over to that, those two kids, those three kids, that one kid, and say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, pay attention here. You're off task, you're distracted, or, you know, whatever they need to say, but they say it to just those two or three kids. So that's the real world analogy. That'd be awesome to be able to do. Well, let's, let's extend your example a little bit by saying, you know, uh, the kids are working on things and you're, you're, you're just in help mode yeah. and you have an aide who's working with those two or three students and that aide's not quite sure. They could also bring in the teacher just to those kids and right. they can do a right. reteach really quick. And then jump out to go help the you know other kids while they she continues or he she continues to work with that small group. That would be cool and, too. And that means you wouldn't have to. I mean, that would be different than using breakout rooms because breakout rooms you're separating <sighs> yes. out the kids, right? So you're separating yep. the kids and, into groups. But but even in with if, it, if even if you can do that within a breakout room because you have you may have one kid that just has trouble focusing, and you just want to say, hey hey Sean, Sean remember. Um, this is this is our focus moment, and then Sean goes, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's that's one of the skills he's working on." And then he goes through and he he refocuses, and that would be super powerful. I love it. It should. Uh, I, I mean, I can put it in as a feature request, but apparently, it doesn't need to be a feature request. <laughs> They've already figured apparently out. Apparently, the kids vetted that feature. <laughs> so all we got to do is figure out how they get that it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'll have to search Eric Kurtz's uh, website later today and see if I can figure out how that's going to work. Yeah. He might have something on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I like that a lot. So um, in uh, Google Meet, you apparently had some student interlopers. 
Yeah, we had a couple interlopers. When I was doing the uh, testing, I had a parent come in. I don't know if I talked about this or not. Mm-hmm. We were doing NWA testing where we had to create our own little breakout rooms. And this is something I did not figure out how she did this, but she got into my testing room, then proceeded to chew me out and the kid out for being in her daughter's testing room. You know, the room that I created and I have a student testing in. But she's going to chew me out for my own testing room. So it was very interesting. Um, (laughs) When I explained to her that I was a teacher, I wasn't just any adult. I was a teacher at the middle school. She was like, oh. And she left. And then she came back. And she left. And she did this two or three times. And then later in the afternoon, she did the same thing. She came in. She was like, oh, it's him again. And she just left. So something going on there, probably the way I named the room is my guess. Um, and then uh, yesterday in class, a student just popped in and it's another student at, at school and he's not in any of my classes. And uh, you could tell right away that the kids recognized, you know, stranger danger. And they're like, who are you? And what are you doing here? Cause you don't belong here. This is us. This is our group, you know, go find your own mm-hmm. type of thing. And he just waved and he, you know, split. And uh, so kids are figuring out how to join other classes um, and then, uh, lastly, um, some kids, some of my students are, are holding their class in the same room as other students. I know this cause when they turn on their mic to ask a question, I hear another teacher in the background teaching another student on another computer, right? Which I mean, totally cool. I, I, I totally get that. I understand what they're doing by the same token. Um, then they pop on their camera. Like, you know, when there's a break in the action, they'll pop on their camera and hit the mic and go, uh, Mr. McGarry, is okay if my brother says hi? And, you know, the students that you had three, four, or five right. years ago turn, they come and go, hey! Right. You know, so but I think it also goes to uh, something else that you talked about earlier in the show and also pre-show uh, about building those connections and how maintaining those connections. And you can actually, you know, the importance of doing those things over uh, distance learning, you know, it, those things even reach beyond just the current ones that you're making with your, your kids now. And then also how important the relationships that we've had with students in the past are affecting the brothers and sisters who are in our class now, because a lot of them are relying on information from, from those students about like what's what the expectations are, what to do in class. Mm-hmm. Some of them, you know, it's a fish story. Every time you tell the story, you know, it gets a little bigger, it gets a little worse. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bigger is mean and evil, sharpens his teeth with a file. I love those stories. Yes. But I, I also think it points to the ability, the prominence that that your class has built. And uh, one of the things I, I wrote down from the pre-show was you said these kids have bonded. They are my kids, which I think was a concern at like the beginning of this, right? Was like, how are you going to bond with the kids? Is it going to be different? Is it going to feel different? Is it going to look different? And I thought that was a powerful statement that the kids have bonded. They're they are a class at this point, and the kids need that. That's a that's a, a you know a basic need as well. There's an interesting technique I've used with with a couple of the classes um, that I'll share. Uh, I think that it, it plays into in, role here. I so um, I have a student whose real life name, so she's got a good sense of humor. She lets me tease her, okay? That's important to state first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I had her uncle when he was in seventh and eighth grade and he teaches in the building. 
So that's another thing. <laughs> so there's a connection there. Okay. There's a lot of connections. So I know that they've 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 cussed and discussed me around the family table. I, I know this, and um, and which is not a I, you know they, I get a lot of great with them. Um, but I, so I uh, she had, her first name rhymes with nozzles, and so I that's her nickname, right? Nozzles. And when I when I stopped using it, she goes, no, 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 no. My name is Nozzles, right? So you do that sort of thing to build those mm-hmm. those connections. But so her nickname is Nozzles. But apparently I say, all right, do your daily check in. I say it so often now and so quickly that it sounds like do your daily chicken. <laughs> and so, I'm Mr. so now, so now what I'm hearing is you could turn this into a meme. You could just oh, yes. post a chicken. Right. And they would know what they were supposed to do. Right. So I call her Nozzles. She calls me Mr. McChicken. Mr. McChicken. Right. There you go. Right. So I get that. And, it's, you know, that's another connection thing, right? But that sort of thing. So in this, so I use Moodle for a daily check-in. And I ask them questions. And I'll say, you know, how much sleep did you get? Give me a number between, you know, it's a rating scale. Give me a number between one and whatever. And then... um uh, I asked some other questions. How are you feeling today? And I've got little, uh, you know, gifs for each of the questions. So, you know, I've got happy and it's a little kid sitting in her high chair and she's going, you know, thumbs up. And it's, 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 it's like over the top happy that makes you laugh. Right. Then I've got sad. Then I've got, you know, annoyed. Then I've got a couple others. Then I've got one listed as other. And it's these kids in these bouncy balls and they're just bouncing around the, around the room. And uh, every now and then a kid will, you know, put other. Then I give him a chance to tell me, all right, so explain the first question if you want. You don't have to, but if you want to, explain the first one. And then I go through and add, I ask some other questions, you know, like, you know, what's going on, you know, that you want to tell me about, this sort of thing. And then they write in there what's going on. Um, you know, if a kid is getting a new keyboard for his computer and he puts it in there, then I turn around and I ask the kid, at another point in the day when I have them in class somewhere and I'll say, did you get that new keyboard yet? Hey, tell me about that. Which one did you buy? Right. So I'm mining them for information that I'm using them to have start conversations because they are experts in one thing. They are experts in themselves. Mm-hmm. And if I ask them questions about themselves, they are the only, mm-hmm. well, their parents are probably experts too, but, but they're, and they can talk about it. Right. And, and now we're getting to the point where the first few minutes of class and my advisory kids are spread throughout my day. So I start with them, right? And then it branches out to, well, I want to tell you about this. Tell me about that. I want to hear it. And it branches into other things. So that, so like if I was in my regular classroom, one of the things I would do is end class early. Uh, not early. Don't end class a few minutes early um, and have them line up at the door, right? And then as they leave, I, you know, I'll, just every now and then I'll, I'll hit a question or I'll, I'll say something. So I talk to every kid as they leave the room, but some of them I'll say, Hey, you know, what about this or what about that? And then they'll tell me stuff as they leave the room. So they're building that human connection with me. Well, this is, this is turning out to be a lot like the same thing, except rather than walking out my door, it's, you know, I'm going to get the class a little early and I'm going to have a conversation with this burger and I'm going to tell him about this, or he's going to ask me about this or that or the other thing. And that's been a huge um, thing for me. But Moodle, it started with Moodle and using that survey thing that we uh, put together uh, last year where they can just put in multiple entries, right? Mm-hmm. Then I export it as a CSV file and I ship that off to the uh, school social worker because I've got a couple of her kids in there. And um, she's getting then every week she gets a daily report of oh, what happened throughout the week. And then I, I clear it and then the next week. But they can do a rating skill. Like, you know, one of the questions is... Uh, I need help with my class. True and false. Yes or no. 
and consistently. Nope, I don't need help with my classes. So I, you know, I know if they're if they're struggling or not. They're you know, right. or they have the opportunity to tell me, or you know, I'm asking some other questions that you know the counselors. And then uh, last week, and this is where I use WooClap. I like WooClap. I yes, used it. Um, I used WooClap, and I asked the question. All right, so. In our daily check-in, what is one thing that I'm not asking that you think I ought to ask? What? So I need to ask a question, or I need to change the questions up a little bit, or add a question. But what am I not asking that I should be asking? And so they, you know, shot it, some questions into WooClap, and then they rated each other's questions, right? And so I could see which ones bubbled up to the top and the, which ones they felt were the most important, and I took a look at it. And, uh, you know, I got the usual... Um, Ask us what we had for lunch. <laughs> On a daily basis at advisory? I don't know if I want to do that. But, you know, I did get some other ones that were nice. Like, you know, ask me what uh, ask me what I did after school. Or ask mm-hmm. me what, um, I forget the, but the main one that I chose. So I changed it up, right? So I, did, I changed the daily check-in with a, one of their questions. And eventually what I would like to do is switch it over to have just the few that I need for me. And then turn it into a rotating basis of questions that they generate that they think I don't know or I, I ought to ask about them, and then turn those into my conversation pieces, which will then feed into the other kids saying, "Oh, I want to talk about this too, or I want to talk about that too." Yeah, I did another thing on Friday. Here I'm rat holing, and I apologize. Um, where it just was off the cuff. Um, I've got one, um, so I do the muhaha thing, right? And uh, the other day, she popped in and said, my mom thinks your laugh is funny. You know, the <laughs> oh, mom's listening. Okay. Got it. Okay. Right. Um, and then, um, so on Friday, she pops on and goes, I did the quiz. Can I go? It was just a couple minutes before the end of class. And I said, oh, well, I don't know. Please, can I go? Tell you what. I'll let you go if you tell me one thing you're planning on doing this weekend that you can tell me. What's one thing you're planning on doing? Oh, I'm going to do this, that, or the other thing. All right. Well, if you're finished with the quiz and you just told me that, you may go. Okay. You know, and then it was just her. I only asked her. And the next thing you know, the other kids are popping on and going, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. We're having a conversation because I want to tell you too, right? And it's that taking an interest in them that I'm going to feed off of. I'm going to use to build that community. Um, for like, you know, when we get in, well, we already into the hard part, but when we get into some of the parts where, you know, kids are going to start interloping into other classrooms. Right. And they'll show up early. Right. So, so I had five or six kids that were early into my, my, uh, my fifth hour. So they popped in during lunch because fourth hour they were done, didn't have anything to do. And so they, they just popped in my room just to kind of hang out. We could talk about that sort of stuff. So, anyways, I I, I apologize. I digress. No, no, no. I don't think you. I don't think you've digressed at all. I think that it speaks to that there is an ability to build a community and to build a class. Um, it's it's as long as you're thoughtful about doing it and um, and plan that and plan ahead and you know build something in that works. Um, and I really do like having like a core set of questions and then some rotating questions so that there is some novelty for the kids as well. So, you know, you get some consistent information that you want, but then they get to tell you what they want as well. And it's not exactly the same every time because that creates some, you know, that can create some boredom at, at some point. 
as well. In so. in Moodle, you can set which questions are required. And you can do it in classroom uh, or in uh, Google uh, Forms too. Which ones are required and which ones not required? So the, the ones that the students generate, usually I don't require them to answer that one because sometimes it's a student who's got a topic that they want to, to make sure I ask a question mm-hmm. about. And the other kids are like, oh, that doesn't apply to me at all. Right? It's, it's not part of my life at all. So I don't want them to feel like, okay, you have to make something up or you have to tell me right. you don't know or you have to tell me you know, nothing. Right. So. The um, the other thing that came from that is a, is a statement that you made that, um, that kids are getting used to moderating their own learning. Yeah, I love there the because one of the oh. I think one of the goals of uh, of education is for people to think about how they learn and think about learning in general and how they do that and how they can be successful at that because that builds long term skills. But can you talk a little bit about kids moderating their own learning um, as well? Well, I can talk about the example that I used in the, in the pre show that we talked about. So I'm going to use that one. So um, I like Moodle. Mm-hmm. I like Moodle a lot. And one of the reasons why I like Moodle a lot is for the lesson module. So mm-hmm. this lesson module, I've been able to play with more and more because I have to, right? Necessity is the mother of invention. Or in my case, necessity is the mother of, oh, you're going to learn this now. And so I played with lesson in the past, but just, you know, you always, it's, uh, sometimes teaching is uh, like water. You find your own level and you go for the easiest path to get to where you got to go. And so I decided I wasn't going to do that with uh, some of these things. I was going to force myself to, to, to really learn this part. And not that it's hard. It's just telling different. myself I'm going to take time it's to do yeah, it. It's, different. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah. So uh, I went into lesson and I knew the, the, the basics and understood, you know, what to do. And, and let me explain that just a little bit uh, first. In, a, in the lesson module in Moodle, you can structure the pathway that your students take. And one of the things I've talked about doing, just hadn't taken the time to sit down and do, was to do reteaching and um, scaffolding. And we do more to scaffolding piece. I, this last one I did, I don't think I did it well. I want to do it better this next time. Um, but you can do it with scaffolding. So I've got kids that range from reading at a post high school level to reading at, you know, second grade level, simply because English is their second or third language, right? So the kids who don't need the scaffolding feel like when you do the scaffolding that you're giving them busy work to do and they resent it and they create problems in the classroom. But the kids who need the scaffolding, if you don't use it, feel that they're, they could just get lost and they feel that, you know, well, okay, mm-hmm. then I don't need to pay attention to this. And then they cause trouble. So, cause you know, they'll find something to, to do. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, let's, let's make this the happier, both worlds. Let's also, also give these kids a chance to say, Hey, I did this. And then uh, the ones who didn't go, oh, well, if I'd knuckle down, I could do this the other way and I wouldn't have to do this other stuff. And I don't want to turn it into learning by punishment, but I don't want to do it by support. So this last round, uh, I'll tell you what I did. Um, I did a, uh, a, a part one lesson on ancient Egypt. Okay. And uh, I'm using an open education resource to build it. Cool. Uh, it comes out of Go Open Michigan. Cool. And um, 
And in there is some really good text on ancient Egypt. And it's nicely structured. I like the structure of it. So I would just simply take and pull that uh, content and pieces of it. And I, and I would parse it out. And I would put it into a, a, a content page. And then I created a formative assessment question right after it. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I made two or three questions. So, and I tell the kids, look, you want to take notes on this as you go through. I'll let you use your notes on the on the formative questions. That's perfectly fine. I have no problem with that at all. And um, so the kids, uh, the first time they did my very first one, I know they didn't uh, take my because notes take time. And seventh graders, <laughs> they don't have time for anything. You know, they're in a hurry, to just in, standing in place. And um, so uh, the second time, I know they took notes because <laughs> they did better and they told me, oh, the notes helped. <laughs> oh, oh, Mr. Bigger knows a thing or two. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, and I laughed. It was fun. So uh, this time, um, I noticed that the uh, source that I used had some, uh, what they called extra resources on the side. And what it was, was it took the topics that were in the main content and it, it put links to additional items, uh, additional content or more detailed content that was talked about in the main content. Now, ideally in a perfect situation, I'd say, Hey, you got to read this all because it's all really, really good stuff, but mm -hmm. I understand where I'm at and what I need to do. So what I did was I took those extra pages and I made them resource pages. And at the bottom, I said, you know, here's some more information about this. And I made it a link and I made it another content page. All right. So I, if you mentioned like sticky notes, I've got four sticky notes across the top there. Right. And then I got my questions down below. Well, each of those questions dealt with something that related to the more content, but was, but was from the main page. And so if they got the question wrong on the formative assessment piece, the, the, that particular question, it didn't send them straight back to the main content page to read it again so they could find the answer to answer the question. I sent them to the more resource, which had a little more scaffolding, had more detail, and was not as thick and heavy as the um, main page was. And so they could read that, then go to the main page, double check the information, find it again, and then move on to the question. Um, and each of those questions then sent them to the more information page. So it was scaffolded in a, in a, a little tighter way um, before they moved on and went back and found, you know, oh, that's what they're talking about in the main one. Oh, I get it now and I could do this. So success is wrapped into the whole process, right? Um, right. It's just a matter of... You're, what you're essentially what you're doing is you're creating that background knowledge. If they don't right. have it, you're giving them an, a, a, an opportunity to to gather or learn that background knowledge. So now they are ready to go on. And if they already right. have that background knowledge, then they you're not on. reiterating it with them. You're letting them move along. Yep. And so I did that, and then and they, they did the process, and they worked their way through it. Now, some of them took, you know, 20 minutes, and some of them took 40 minutes, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. They take, take whatever you need. And then when they got done, uh, so the other nice thing is, too, they, they get a score on how well they did, right? And the lesson will say, you scored 1.8 out of whatever, how many points. I just, right. And the kids would say, but you're getting one more. I, said, I tell you what, you know what you could do? You could do it again and see if you could improve your score. Oh, my word. Repetition mm -hmm. of instruction, right? And they would go through, and, and one, of the things, one of the things that John Hetty does talk about is kids need questions, lots of questions, lots of chance to prove themselves. Well, this is right up Hattie's alley. Uh, this would be the hat that Hattie wears. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and then I did also did something fun at the end. 
And every now and then in the chat, they would go, Master Maker. And then I yes. knew they'd reached the end. Yes. So the very last page, you know, the end of lesson page, I rickrolled them. Ah, very nice. And that's how I knew they got to the end. That's how you know they got to the end. Yeah. And, and then one of the things. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. And that's that's how they know they've gotten to the end as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that uh, one of your tech coaches in Dearborn showed us at one of the at the uh, training the PDs that you held in your district was um, how to take a, a GIF or a GIF. I'm not sure how, how you pronounce that. Um, and you insert it so that uh, if they get it right, they get a woo. And if they get it wrong, it's like, yeah, no. And so um, Giphy is a wonderful resource. It is. Beautiful resource because then every now and then I would hear, <laughs> right? Because they got it right. Or I'd hear, you know, so, oh, man. But, you know, they'd laugh because they'd gotten the little funky, you know, oh, no, that's not correct. Or, yeah, yeah, right, yay, or something, you know. And then move on. And, and so I did a kind of a little informal poll. And they said, oh, yeah, we really like the animations at the, you know, at, at, at the questions. And I think it takes some of the the sting out of the, the the questioning process that I can't be there with, you know, and have fun with in the classroom. But and it lets them move at their own pace. And they still get some of that humor and entertainment as they go through. And I, th- I got to tell you, uh, without Moodle, uh, you know, Moodle's been a lifesaver in this whole process. And, and those the the nice thing about those gifts is it's it's kind of universal. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's um, so you you do you do over um, you do um, you don't have to worry about the language that you're using, and mm-hmm. it is um, again it's something that is ba- it's basically universal and it's something that's different and it's something that is visual which kids can respond to well because a lot of the things in education are very text heavy so yep. this gives the brain a break from that text heavy communicates immediately and has some emotion to it so you you you, you get that as well so yeah and there's a benefit for the ll students uh, a couple years ago oh no sorry last year at the uh, national conference national um <laughs> NCSS. Yeah. National, National Council of Social, Social Studies. Studies. Yeah. I'll get, like I said, zombie brain. It's setting in. Um, there was a, there was somebody there uh, at the, in the exhibit hall who was doing um, silent films. They had silent films, old, old silent films mm-hmm. uh, related to political themes and social studies topics. And it was very well done. I wish you could find their site again. Um, so well done, but I was having a conversation with them at their booth and they said, one of the things that they're finding is that these old films, which are obviously out of copyright, right. And they, they can, mm-hmm. they can use them. Um, these old films, um, these silent films, that's the mm-hmm. keyword. These silent films, ELL students can understand. They don't have to know English because everything is at a level where in these silent films, they can see it, they can pick up on it and they can understand it. And you know what these little little animations do at the end of questions is they see it. They don't have to know English to go, I got it right. Correct. Yeah, I need right. to try this again. And so it's a nice support for ELLs too. Right. And that's what I, I think I was trying to get to that point and didn't say it very well. So thank you for oh. doing a much better well, job. Actually, I'm, 
than I did. I was so. probably obtuse. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, that's no. good. Um, one of the tools that you also talked about using that um, is, uh, well, it's an H5P tool for dictation. Oh, uh, love H5P. Yeah, I know. It's one of those things I want to really get a chance to delve into deeper. Sometime, I, at some point, I will. So, well, I but, think one of the things you should play with is dictation. Yeah, tell me a little bit about dictation. So I remember dictation from when I was in sixth grade, and the teacher would stand at the front of the room and read a sentence, and we'd have to write the sentence down and then punctuate it correctly, right, based on what she said. And at the time, I remember hating it. <laughs> Absolutely hating dictation. Uh-huh. To the point where I told myself I would never do that to my students. I was probably wrong. Of course, I was sixth grade at the time. I guarantee you I was wrong. Right? <laughs> so, you mean you didn't um, know everything in sixth grade? <laughs> that, was, that was seventh grade. <laughs> that was seventh you know, grade. Oh, I got it. Got seventh got grade. It. Oh, now I know everything. Okay. <laughs> That's just why I teach seventh grade, because now I know everything. <laughs> and hubris. So, um... <laughs> Still have my hubris problem. Uh, H5P. So there's a module or there's a feature. There's a unit. There's a selection. There's a tool. Let's call it a tool. There's a tool called dictation, right? And I saw that and I was like, ah. Uh. And it still is as basic level as dictation has always been. But mm-hmm. um, I have seventh graders and I know they don't do homework. And I know this because I've seen the grade book, you know, that they don't do. So um, I went into Moodle. And I used the H5P feature and I went into the dictation part. And, um, in this time in the, in the, the, the text box, I actually wrote the definition for their spelling word or their vocab word. Sorry. But excuse me. One of the things I did do was I went and clicked on the audio piece and I, and I just simply read the vocabulary word for their, their weekly quiz into that piece. Now, the, one of the things I like about dictation is it has two audio um, source buttons, automatic, right? And so the first one, you're supposed to read it at a normal pace. But the second one, it says slow, and it's not referring to me. It's referring to how fast I say it. Mm-hmm. And so you click slow, you intentionally, now you have to do the slowing part down. It doesn't slow it for you. But you can read your text slower for the student and the student will get it in a slower pace that way. And so then the nice thing about that is because you get a report at the end of their using it and it tells them how many times they clicked on regular speed and how many times they clicked on slow or if they clicked on both or they, you know, and so it gives you kind of an idea about, Oh, they click slow for everything. And you can start going, well, maybe I need to speak slower or how can I support them better? Maybe it's just a choice. Maybe they don't know that there's two buttons, you know, just things you can investigate. Right. But it also gives you, it gives you that important feedback that isn't tested like on an NWA to help them support them with their learning. So students then listen to the word or listen to the phrase. You can turn this into all kinds of stuff. And um, the only thing you can't do is put a picture because that's what I would like to do next is put a picture, say the word. And then have them write the word. That's not in there yet. I think 
if I could suggest something to the HPI, MIT, basically, if I could suggest that to the, the, the MIT folk, I'd say, could we add, could we add a, a place where we could put in a picture? But, um, so I've had, I started doing that. Right. And, and, and I, right in the directions, I say, look, spelling matters. Um, you know, capitalization matters. Everything matters. Right. I mean, this, this is important and it's pick, it's going to be picky. I'm going to tell you right straight up front. And the kid's like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And then they discover, you know, oh, it is picky. Yeah, I should have put a capital letter there. But the nice thing is that it tells them what the answer should have been. So they can go, oh, I can fix that. And it's the I can fix that part that I've really, really liked about it so far because the kids are going, I can do that. Or they'll complain to me at first. And I'm like, oh, come on. I told you this is going to be, yeah, you said it's going to be picky. Yeah, well, you know, you could do it again. I, I give you the opportunity to do it again. And that doing it again is going to help you with the quiz on Friday. There's a short little pause. Yeah. Yeah, well, why don't you go do it again? Tell me what you got this time. And they do it again, you know, and, and, but they're hearing the word, they're writing the word. I just want that picture feature so they can then get that visual locked into their heads. Yeah. Cause I know that was, oh, so here's the reason. So the reason I started talking about that was because you can make that a required activity before they take their quiz in Moodle. Mm hmm. So kids will come in on Friday and go, I can't see the quiz. Did you do the practice first? Did you practice the words first at all? No. Well, all right. <laughs> That's why. Now you need to go do that before guess, you take your quiz. Guess what? You have an opportunity to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. You now have a chance to go do your homework assignment that you didn't do all week long. And as your reward, you get to take a quiz. And uh, so they're starting, so we're trying, starting to also get them into the habit of thinking I homework is the practice and the purpose of uh, getting me to do well on the quiz. And I tell them straight up front, look, I'm just not punishment. I'm telling I'm, do, I'm doing this cause I know seventh graders, you know, I've been doing seventh graders for a while, long time. Uh, the class not doing so it's yeah. Right. Some of you have anyway. Um, and, uh, I know they don't do homework and they won't do it if you don't, you know, attach something to it. So, this has been a real, real nice feature, especially with distance learning, to be able to say, and this, I'm going to do this even when we're back in school uh, and, and, and as part of my blended learning. I'm going to say, look, this you got to do this. You've got to do your practice before you can do the quiz. Why would I, you know, if that were the case, why, would, why don't I just, you know, surprise you with 10 random words? It'd be the same effect, right? Oh, I guess so. Well, okay, well, let's not do that to you. And when you talk about it like that, they like, Okay, they realize you know you're doing it not to punish them, but to, and you have to, having those conversations is important, and that's why it goes back to that relationship building piece we talked about. Anyways, again, I talk too much. No, no, you you, you don't, and I think that we also talked about how this is not on Bloom's highest level of skills. Oh yeah, no, but but that's okay because you don't you can't live in the highest level all the time, you do need to address some of the basics. And one of the things that, that I like about this is this allows that that basic, those basic skills to be developed kind of on their, on their time, their schedule, when they're ready for it. They need to know, they know they need to do it, but, you know, they can do it when it's convenient for them. And it really does free up the teacher to address time, to have time to address some of those higher level skills, right? And some of those higher yeah, level, they, uh, yeah. They can do it while picking up the new family car. 
Yeah. <laughs> or on their way to see Mount Rushmore. <laughs> or on the way to Mount Rushmore. Um. By the way, in that new car, the seats are soft. <laughs> I have no good authority. Yeah, but the are they are heated? <laughs> I don't know. We didn't get that far. Uh, you didn't get that far, huh? So, no. yeah. yeah. So I thought that was... Uh, uh, um, but I thought that was an important piece because now the teacher does it once and you can reuse that, right? It's not something yep. you have to physically yep. do time and time and time and time again. And nope. it's a it's a one-shot deal. And then you can bring these in. If you want to do some kind of summary thing, you could actually bring those in after three weeks. You could give them a combination of the first three weeks, Right. Right, or, or you know, five what weeks, could do. or at the end of the semester, or end of marking period, you could bring those in without having to do anything yeah. really extra. Yeah. That's just yeah, yeah. say, hey, either randomly select two from each week, or give them this one, this one, this one, this one, depending on what the teacher wants. So gives them some control, right. and then and that does free up a lot of that does free up time later. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm still working on how to pull in H5P questions into a regular quiz, but that's you know again that I I've believed that's so valuable that I'm willing to, I'm going to take some of my time going forward here in the future and I want to spend time learning right. that. Right, I have a lot to learn. <laughs> well, we all do, and and again, I think that's one of the stressors that everybody's feeling at this point is everybody has a lot to learn, right. Um, mm-hmm. And it, that Definitely. learning takes time, and learning is um, is effortful, which um, which I think we we frequently forget. I, I'm I'm reading "Make It Stick" right now, um, which is basically on um, the and how we really learn and how we effectively learn. And there's a couple of interesting things in there. It, a, a lot of it is space uh, repetition, right? But some of it is about the value of quizzes and how do how do they've done research on how people learn things, and it turns out that taking like regular quizzes, formative assessments, can help you learn, help your brain learn, help the brain make yep. those connections. So Eddie talks about that. And it doesn't always feel like you're learning and succeeding, um, but it is far more effective than just reading something over again. And I know that that's a strategy that a lot of kids use. They go, but I read it again, but I read it again. It's like, okay, Um, but to make it stick, you need to do something more than just reading it again. and they feel as though reading it again, especially that cramming, and that cramming can work somewhat for a, the short-term part of the quiz, for answering the quiz, right? But then if you ask those questions again a week later, or you know, one of the reasons I brought up, you know, bring those questions back again three weeks later or five weeks later, is because what you really want is for them to understand and know those words, not just to spit it back on a test on a, on Friday, uh, you know, October tenth. But you want them to know those words, and 
So they need to see it again. They need to see it again. They need to, that spaced repetition is where that comes into play. Um, uh, you know, of the, um, of, of knowledge. So, so I think that that is important, but in learning that long term doesn't feel the same as learning it short term. So I thought that was some interesting things as well. So, um, so yeah. Um, um that, that, but that was good. And, and um I think you also talked a little bit about um talking to the kids and they're apparently eating lunch with you now, I hear. Talking they to are the kids yes, in, so in I, online versus in the room is what I've got down and you were having lunch with some kids as well. Oh yeah, we're talking about the kids. Yeah, versus online versus in the room. So yeah, uh, and then having conversations with them. I think we talked about pulling the information out of the yeah. Yeah. The, the the chicken so to speak um yeah. and then um but i think pragmatics also as well because uh it, it's teaching pragmatics uh because if you're in a classroom they see you and of course the seventh graders have no frontal lobes middle schoolers have no frontal lobes and uh, one of the things that they uh uh do is they they see you they ask the question it doesn't matter what else is going on around you they're going to see you and then ask the question so um, one of the things is that you have to teach in middle school is turn taking, right? And and not everybody talk to the teacher at once because then nothing gets answered and the teacher gets frustrated and uh, you know a seventh grader gets it in some way. Uh, and so uh, uh, one of the ways it's been easier to do uh, <laughs> somebody is going to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out the comfy chair. <laughs> um, anyway, I found a found clean in the basement, and I found a bunch of old CDs from Monty Python. What can I say? Yeah. They had to be listened to again. Um, where was oh pragmatic? So uh, <laughs> normally, what will happen is I'll reach out my hand, like I'm reaching towards their head as I'm having that conversation with another student, so they realize, oh, he's All talking right. to someone, right? And eventually, we get to the point where I don't even look where the hand is going; I just kind of go in that direction, then I hold it, and the next thing you know, there's a forehead in my hand. Right? <laughs> I was going to say they probably put their forehead in your hand. <laughs> they do. They just stick it in. It's like, oh, I know he's going to know. So then I just you know give it a little tweak or whatever, and let them know that I know that they're there. But then they also realize that you know you're having a conversation with another student, then that you'll get to them next, and they start to learn the whole pragmatics thing about like conversations in sequencing and you know you just don't just shout out in the middle of somebody else's um help session is it's become easier to say hey i'm helping so-and-so right now but you're next all right and i'll help you in just a minute and it's been easier to have that and teach that pragmatics piece um online i don't know why it just has been yeah, like it was interesting i thought anyway. all right and and we would love to hear from from other teachers as well would love to hear what's going on from you um so drop us uh drop us an email or a phone call or something along those lines all those links are on middleschoolmatters.com but we also hear from other teachers on the twitterverse as well oh we do you're right mbl at ski and surf 1964 Students did, re did research on the French and Indian War and completed this "quote unquote" activity to caption this activity. So, what they and we didn't include the picture on this one, uh, but basically, he took uh, or she took um, old um, 
pictures. I don't want to call them comics, but woodcuts. There we go. Woodcuts. I'm telling you, zombie brain is catchy. You're you're next. It's, it's, you might, I've it, already, I hear it's transmitted by podcast. I've already got it because I can't tell you the number of people that I called by the wrong name the the other day. I mean, like I would be talking to somebody and I know them. I know their name, but it would be something kind of close to their name, but not their name. And I'm like, (laughs) why is my brain doing this? So I'm I'm with you. I'm there. Well, they took uh, woodcuts, but instead of uh, having the speech bubbles where it normally be, you know, a woodcut writing in there, um, they, they deleted those and they, um, had the kids put in their own stuff. Uh, so that, that's what a, a caption this is, essentially. Impressed with the students' creativity, some blended both uh, some blended both humor and history. The students uh, took it to, no, to another level and wrote in French. So George Washington is speaking in French, and uh, you know, always, you know, General Braddock is speaking in French. But there, you know, there's these juxtaposed pictures having this conversation, talking about the French and Indian Revolution, doing it in French, and having fun with it at the same time. Thought it was a fun idea. Um, fixing education at fixing education. Maybe we should have a potato chip. Have the potato chip companies determine class size in classrooms. And there's a picture of a potato chip bag, and there's not many in the bag. <laughs> so I thought it was funny and humorous. Yes. Um, interesting article. Uh, R. Joseph eight fifty two says, let's reach and teach, not test, the lost year fallacy. So, and, and I think maybe a misnomer. His article uh, brings up, I think, one good point. Other points I, I just left by the wayside. But um, it, I think he's talking about, let's not treat this as a, a missed opportunity. Like, ah, oh, 2020 is almost over. Let's just write it off and move on. But let's take advantage of the moments that we have right now with mm-hmm. our students and make every moment count with it. Um so that's I threw that article in there as a reminder to um, keep keep the heat on. It's not uh, we, we keep going. You know, we just we unusual circumstances don't mean that we you know stop doing what we do best with students. Yeah, and I, and I don't I, I think that kids can our kids can still learn during this time. I think they still are learning. I, I think we need to provide them the opportunity to, to continue learning, and maybe it looks different. Maybe it, maybe it doesn't take them four hours to do the thing. Maybe they can do the thing in thirty minutes. <laughs> you know, um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And acknowledging yeah. that. So, um, you might want to do that together, apart or among us. Among us, the kids in my uh, in my advisory were talking about among us, and I figured it was an online game. And then uh, the culture translator at access.org came out with uh, what among us is, and apparently it's like Clue, except um, the kids are playing the you know Colonel Mustard role and the other things, and one of them is is the killer and. Uh, According to them, uh, it's it's nice in that um, it's it's not like bloody and gory. It's it's rated E for everyone, and the the quote unquote murdery segments are um, 
uh, graphic in nature, but the, the game is uh, suspenseful and intense, and the players test their skill of strategy and social awareness. And uh, so they call it uh, uh, quarantine bait because it's, uh, it's meeting the needs of, of uh, these kids while they're alone but together and among us. Hmm. Um, they were going to do a second version, but because it's increased hugely in popularity, they've canceled the second version and are just going to improve the first version. Uh, before they start doing these sort of second versions. So you're probably going to hear the kids talking about this, and this is what they're talking about when they're referring to Among Us. So there you go. There's cool. your heads up. It's it's something that maybe, maybe requires some online thinking. Yeah. Um, Caitlin Tucker has posted, taken some of the work from Project Zero. that we, We've talked about this before. Um, mm -hmm. The, some of the, on the, the thinking routines um, as, as well. Um, so she's taken, she's taken that and um, kind of converted it to online. So, and she has some resources there. She has some um, uh, Google slides that uh, are available as well. So, you know, you can, you can take that out. You can take that on and take a look at that and decide if that works for you as well. Um, and they're available for download, and you have to like the, the the combination of things, right? Still using a resource, still using a tool, but how does that look like? How does it? What does it look like online? And maybe save you mm -hmm. some Good. prep and process that way as well. Cool. The the other thing that I came across is um, I thought this was fascinating, and I, this is one of those that um, I'll, I, I'd like to give you time. I'd, I'd ask you to, to consider, um, but I need to give you time to take a look at it as well. And these are words that scholars say should no longer describe slavery in the Civil War. Um, and this is, uh, you know, probably a hot topic as well. And I'm, I'm not going to put you on the, on the spot with this one. But um, I think it is something to think about um, in terms of, you know, words matter. And how do, we, how do we refer to things? And part of that is, for the example, do we call it a plantation or a slave labor camp? Um, those bring in two different perceptions to different points of view um, kind of thing. Um, and the, the argument is that language changes regularly, right? Um, for example, we now call it the Civil War. People may not be aware that at one point it was really referred to as the war between the states, right? That was kind of a, mm -hmm. a right. popular nomenclature. Um, and it was accurate. That was what? It's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but the war between it, but, but it, it gives a different perception as well. So, oh, yeah, no, yeah. And I thought some of these were very interesting. Um, he cites some other people, for example, the scholar Edward Baptist who says he rejects the terms plantation, which he says is a term pregnant with false memory and romantic myths in favor of labor camps. Um, and then instead of slave owners, 
which seems to legitimate, legitimate and rationalize the ownership of human beings, and he uses enslavers. Um, and and again, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting concept because words do matter as to, as we go through these things. Specifically, I, I thought it was interesting that he said, "Let's drop the word union when we're describing the United States side of the of the of the war, as in Union troops versus Confederate troops. Instead of union, we should say United States." By employing union instead of United States, we are indirectly supporting the Confederate view of succession, wherein the nation of the United States collapsed, having been built on a, quote, sandy foundation, according to rebel Vice President Alexander Stevens. And potentially a tip for lots of people, the Vice President of the Confederacy was Alexander Stevens. (laughs) In case yeah. that comes up in a trivia game. Um, and he says the dichotomy of union versus confederacy is no longer acceptable language. Its usage lends credibility to the confederate experiment and undermines the legitimacy of the United States as a political entity. The United States of America fought a brutal battle against a highly organized and fiercely determined rebellion. It did not stop functioning or morph into something different. Um but I think think that's an interesting thing to think about and and discuss and process uh, as well, because it does lead to different perceptions. So, so, and, and again, I, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but um, there were some interesting things in there, and you know, words do matter, perceptions do matter, and they make a huge difference in how we handle things and how we deal with things as well. So. Yeah. And I'll talk about it in the future if you want, but I think there's the one thing jumps out at me. Um, and I can hear my, 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 my historiography professor screaming at me because it just jumps right out. He's, he's committed one historiographical error. And that is he's taken the event out of the context of time. I get what he's trying to do. I, I totally get what he's trying to do. But I think in that he's committing other, he's creating other problems. One of the terms he wants to change is uh, hostage, right? Change the name from slave slave to hostage. And I and this, he and I would disagree because uh, a hostage has the hope of being freed and a slave didn't have that hope. Right. And I think that that's a critical thing that I want my eighth graders to know is that, you know, this we're talking about, a group of people that they're what they they didn't necessarily have that hope. What would life be without hope? Hmm. I don't know. I have to look at it some more. I mean, just these are the things that jump out at me on the face value. Right. Yeah, and 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 like I said, I I think it's uh, it's something to think about and something to discuss because we've all been taught a certain way and have a certain perspective. Um. And I think we need to evaluate that and look at that. And frequently when that happens, there can be a lot of misunderstanding because people's perception may not be in alignment with what's happening, right? If they're, if they're yeah. coming from it, they may take offense at something um, 
which is not meant to be offense, but it is uh, it's because of the understanding. And that's, you know, where you frequently get in, you can get into some of those issues. So, But 30 years, he's ignoring the fact that the northern states tried this very thing 30 years before the south actually did it. The northern states just didn't have the courage to do it. Anyway, there, like I said, there's a lot of things that jump out at me. I'll, uh, I'll look at it more deeply. If you want, I can talk about it in the next show. So we'll see. Well, it, it's, we'll see. it's up to you. I just I I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a a good um, reflection piece, if nothing else. Um, you know, yeah, how, you... how do we refer to things, and and what what imagery does that create for people, as well? So, all right, and. Um, there is a link to the article over on middleschoolmatters.com, and you can head over there and take a look at that. There's links to all the things that we talked about, and, of course, links to uh, send us an email or give us a phone call. We really would appreciate hearing from you. Um, and, of course, we'd love it if you'd head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Tell us why Sean is the world's greatest co-show host. Um, and with that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care.